Hi everyone, uh, this is JJ Hornblass and welcome to The Roadmap from Autofinance News since 1996, the leading news provider for the automotive lending and leasing industry. This is our weekly wrap for what's happening in the industry for March 1st, 2021. Uh, before we begin, we wanna thank our Autofinance News advertisers uh, and there are many today. Alpha, Dealer Track, DeFi, Market Scan, Point Predictive, State National, Strook and Strook and Levan, and Westlake Financial for their continuing support. So thank you to our advertisers. And I am pleased to welcome uh, Joey Pizzolato and Amanda Harris from the Auto Finance News team. Hello to both of you. Um, and first, let's start with some general economic news. A, a recent wave of selling has pushed the 10-year Treasury yield to its highest level since the pandemic began, which is a sign of heightening expectations for economic improvement. Doses of Johnson & Johnson's newly authorized COVID-19 vaccine are expected to reach U.S. providers this week. A boom in electric car buying helped Europe overtake China as the world's largest EV market. The continent's share of global new electric car sales nearly doubled to 43% last year while China and the U.S. lost market share, government subsidies played a major role. And finally, Jane Frazier takes over as CEO of Citigroup today with two major goals. One, simplifying the bank, and two, making regulators happy. Speaking of regulators, there is a regulation or regulatory um, initiative that has been, that has started in the auto finance space, or as I should say it extends to the auto finance space, and that is the federal all-in rate cap, which would put a rate cap on all credit for um, consumers, all consumer credit at 36%. And that would be for uh, particular, uh, within particular credit bands. Um, so what are some of the more of some of the additional details around this all-in rate cap? How far away are we from this uh, all-in rate cap? And um, the, how, how likely is it that the auto finance sector can successfully replicate its success in South, da South Dakota, uh, excluding auto loans from the all-in rate cap. Sure, I'll jump in and take that one. So um, if, if you all remember a couple, maybe like January when um, state legislators starting to, started to pass the baton to, to the newly elected um, group uh, Illinois passed a 36% all-in rate cap that included auto loans and used the uh, 
Military Lending Act um, calculation for that all-in rate cap. Um, and basically, like like you kind of touched on, what it what it means is that consumers cannot take on a loan that exceeds thirty six percent of in interest throughout the life of the loan. So you know, if you were to take say a five year auto loan, you would have to cap that at you know, I'm I'm not very really, very good at math, but somewhere in the like you know four to five percent range, right? Um, to kind of stay under that, which which really puts a, a large burden on smaller kind of medium tier financiers, um, especially in the subprime space. And it also um, additionally puts a lot of pressure on um, dealers selling their ancillary products, because as we all know, those those products are financed. They, they um, push up the interest on, on the vehicles because they are tied into that finance. Now, the talk now with, with the new Biden administration um, is that we should expect an all-in rate cap bill on the federal level. Now, this is something that the federal government has, has for a long time not really kind of dipped their toes in. They've kind of kept um, a, a pretty big leadway uh, around this. Um, so the expectation, according to um, some legal professionals at the AFSA conference last, court, or last week, um, was that we will see an all-in rate cap. Whether or not that has any legs, um, sort of is up in the air, right? Like Democrats have been very vocal about their support for an all-in rate cap. Uh, however, there are some more moderate Democrats that find that think this blanket kind of regulation is troublesome and nearly all Republicans on the Hill are um, vocally in opposition to this. So whether or not, you know, the bill passes. Um, remember, we do have kind of a 50-50 split on the Senate, so things can um, move, but without the support of um, the entire uh, Democrat, Democratic Party in the Senate, um, it could have a hard time. Now, at the same time, you know, we all know that national legislation um, really kind of sometimes, or either national legislation that fails kind of can trickle down to the states, and there are other states um, that have been, um, you know, interested in, in an all-in rate cap, uh, whether or not it's passed before. So that could um, give, give some of these states a little bit more confidence, I guess, to, to pursue that legislation on their own. Um, so it is a big question mark, but definitely something that the industry wants to, to take note of, because if it were to pass, um, you know, put, put as a rider on another bill, um, which is also a possibility, um, you know, it, it would have real implications for the auto finance space. So the implications seem like it would just simply lop off a huge portion of the market. Uh, the long and short from like from where I'm sitting, I, I think it does. I mean, obviously, they're, they're with any kind of regulation or law, I don't want to say a loophole, but, you know, there are creative ways in which to kind of um, not get around it. I don't want to say that, but you know what I'm saying. Like there are creative ways to find a solution to to a larger problem. Um, so it, it's it's really hard to say, but I do think as it stands now, um, you know, all-in rate caps are really detrimental to um, you know lower tier credit segments and smaller um, smaller lenders that that really um, need to need to implement those um, higher interest rates in order to offset that risk that they have for borrowing to those customers. So how do they, how, how, how would you see 
the industry maneuvering through an all-in rate cap. So for example, I mean, I would think that aftermarket products will have to get their own credit facility. That, that would be my first thought, right? Um, you know, you, you look at other industries, you have point of sale financing, um, you know, you can, you could split it off, like you said. Um, so that, that would be the, I think the first move would be to, to find, to still allow financing for those ancillary products and protection products. Um, but just to, to structure the, the loan in a different way so that it wouldn't, wouldn't push up those, those um, interest rates. Right. And, um, but I mean, still, you know, you have a certain um, portion of the subprime market that would simply not be able to get credit. Yeah. I mean, at, at five, I just kind of quickly did the math, 6, 12, 18, 24, 30. Um, you know, on a six-year loan, you could have no more than a 6% interest rate annually. Right, so unless you, like, cut the duration of loans. Uh-huh. So you'd have, you know, two, maybe three-year loans to allow for the appropriate, you know, risk, risk um, parameters. Yeah, absolutely. But then you run into... Um, you know, maybe not in like the used market um, when, well, I don't, I don't know now because they're the used, used vehicle values are, are still really high. Um, but then you run into, you know, payment issues where your, your payments through the roof and affordability was, was one of the biggest pain points to the industry, you know, way before the pandemic. Um, so then we're, we're back in that territory. So it's, it's really, Maybe maybe they extend loan terms to keep those payments down, but then again, we run into a similar problem where you have borrowers that are upside down for you know a good portion of their loan. What was the lobbying approach that was taken in South Dakota? So I'm not sure on the details on that, but from like the nitty gritty details. But from from what I understand, um, South Dakota passed an all in rate cap. Um, that was for installment lending. And of course, you know, uh, auto loans are part of that installment um, group, like group. But um, so it was passed and then uh, AFSA went back and they worked with um, lenders in the industry and they lobbied against, uh, lobbied uh, against it and actually got auto excluded um, from that kind of all-in rate cap. Now, right. you know, one thing to note is a lot of these rate caps use um, the MLA uh, calculation structure to kind of calculate that all-in rate cap, but auto loans, if you look at MLA on its own, um, are not part of, of the Military Lending Act. Like, they're not regulated in the same way other loans are, where, you know, you do have this kind of 36% all-in cap for personal loans or whatever you may have, um, auto's not a part of that. So, so there is a very kind of, this, the Illinois legislation in particular and potentially a federal one lives in this kind of gray area where, um, you know, it's, it's using the Military Lending Act, but the Military Lending Act doesn't apply to auto. So then, you know, I can see that having a hard time once it's contested, you know, in kind of a, a courtroom setting. Okay. Um, another uh, development in the industry is the um, uh, was the new um, software as a service venture launched by Tricolor, and um, that service called uh, Tricolor Financial 
aims to uh, leverage the um, credit scoring data that they have developed for what are known at what's known as the invisible credit score market. What is the invisible credit score market? And what is Tricolor Financial uh, really offering to other lenders? Sure, so I'll jump in on that one. Um, so to answer your first question, what they kind of consider the invisible or the unscorable customer um, are really customers, um, particularly they, they really, um, you know, tailor to the Hispanic buyer, people who don't really have a lot of credit history, they may not have a FICO score, um, you know, they may just not have a lot in their background to help, you know, traditional lenders kind of go that traditional route of looking at the FICO score and some other parameters just to know what, what kind of terms to give that particular buyer. So it really creates a problem because then, you know, you're either one, not going to give them a loan because if you don't have that kind of information that you would traditionally use uh, to determine that. So either you're not going to do it or you're going to do it, but you're going to give them maybe a higher interest rate than, than re in reality they would deserve because there is actually a history there. And so what this kind of SAS model does is uses about 14 years of Tricolor's history with these kind of consumers um, to really give you like data and trends, um, basically that alternative credit data that we've been kind of talking about for a while that lenders are kind of starting to leverage more to give them an opportunity to make that decision um, and to make it more fair and offer more, you know, direct loan terms and, and more fair loan terms to these kind of consumers who don't really have the traditional credit history. So that's why they're considered like unscorable or, um, you know, hidden kind of. It, I mean, this is a uh, 45 million uh, people or Americans are in this market, according to the CFPB. But based on what you're saying, Amanda, it would seem that that Tricolor is not helping or providing data on all 45 million, but they have some portion. Is there a sense for either what type of consumers of those 45 million kind of fall within their uh, basket um, or, you know, how many of them uh, do kind of fall into the, the, the SaaS ventures um, bailiwick? Yeah, so the good thing about this particular, um, you know, venture of theirs is they've made a big point to say, you know, this is kind of something that, you know, multiple types of financial providers and businesses can use. So it kind of does expand a little bit about, you know, from what Tricolor would normally do. Um, and it's, it's more of a tool. So really, I mean, most businesses who would cater to any kind of credit invisible type customer should be able to, to use this data to at least figure out how to make these type of decisions. Um, but when it comes to who Tricolor really works with, it's the you know, Hispanic borrowers mainly, those customers who um, you know, may be coming over here without any kind of real history. They don't have that particular you know, traditional FICO score. Um, so it's those kind of consumers. So I, I don't know the exact number, but it would be a, a you know, fairly decent portion of those, you know, about 40 million, like you said, um, in the United States. Um, but the, the tool should be able to help more businesses and more financial institutions cater to these type of consumers. 
Um, so I think that's kind of the goal. How does, how does the tool work, Amanda? So they were still kind of figuring a lot of the details out. So this just launched um, and they just named their president. So of course her you know, strategy is kind of in the work still. Um, but essentially what it does is it uses that, that 14 years of data, kind of compiles all of that. And then um, they use kind of artificial intelligence um, to really sort through that and basically have like a formula from what I understand that you can use to determine where that particular consumer should fall and what their risk really is, um, their likelihood of paying back a loan based on different parameters other than just the traditional FICO score. So their history of paying, um, you know, their history of paying on time, their other credit history that they would look at. Um, and Tricolor has been working with these consumers for, you know, over a decade. So they have that information and that data to say, this is what we've seen in the past with similar consumers. Here's the trends that we've seen. Here's kind of who, how we kind of see what their risk level is um, outside of the normal traditional um, data. So, so, it just so this is like, kind of like, so this is kind of like an underwriting tool. Mm -hmm. um, so you would, if let's say Joey was applying for a loan with you, Amanda, you would enter Joey's information into the Tricolor Financial Underwriting application and, and then it would make an underwriting decision from that. Am I understanding that right? That's, that's how I understood it, yes. So this is a, a software that they can use um, that will run all that for them. And I'm sure there's, there's proprietary technology obviously in there with AI and certain algorithms. And obviously we're not, we won't have that information um, that's not publicly released, but that's basically what I, what I assume and how it works. It just helps them make that decision more accurately and more fairly for these consumers. So I wonder what happens when there's an, you know, a borrower that's coming down through Tricolor Financial that Tricolor Auto Acceptance is also seeking to finance and how that might work. So that's, that's, really, that's a really interesting question. Um, I, I wonder if, if they would actually um, run into uh, like a, a, an, an issue with that because, you know, if you look at Tricolor's kind of lending model, they're, they're, they're kind of like a 50-50, they're, they're more direct to consumer, right? Um, so they have, they have a ton of their own retail stores um, in Texas and in California. And I believe that they're in the, they've already expanded or expanded to like one other state kind of in the uh, middle of middle north area of I think Vegas or Nevada um, don't quote me on that but I'm pretty sure that that's right um, you know the customer goes in and then, then you know they buy the car and Tricolor finances it so Tricolor doesn't really have like an indirect footprint like you would say I don't know let me just pull up subprime lender a just not to call anybody out right subprime lender a you know if if I'm subprime lender a and I want um, you know to take on Tricolor's technology, I would probably, you know, use that through my indirect channels, right? Rather than um, say, you know, run into Tricolor later. Um, you know, I do want to jump back real quick to your question, JJ, about how how much of, of that uh, population Tricolor is able to touch. Um, and if you if you look at, at their numbers, they've originated just over kind of a billion dollars in loans um, total, which is which is a great number, but in like the grand scheme of things. <clears throat> pretty small, 
And if you look at their footprint, obviously, like they have a huge presence in, in Texas, a huge presence in California, um, both states with a very large um, Hispanic population. However, you know, that's also, again, you know, pretty localized. Um, so I would imagine that, you know, they, they don't touch but a fraction of, you know, those 45 billion, uh, you know, unborrowed. So, so really, you know, one thing that Daniel Chu's talked about a lot when I talked to him is how did they get this out of here? So I think that this, you know, software as a service is really the kind of the next logical step in their kind of like business model and, you know, their, their goal to kind of, you know, get this financing out there. Um, so a long way to go for sure. Right. Okay, good. Um, so what's uh, on tap for our coverage uh, over the next uh, week or so? Well, um, you know, we did have a couple stragglers um, from earnings season. So Carvana released, I believe, after uh, after market closed on Thursday. So we'll 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 have that today. Um, take a look at Vroom as well. See how that e-commerce is going. I believe that that also was released either Friday or Thursday after after market close. Um, and then we've got some other things um, kind of in our back pocket that, that we've been waiting to share with with all our readers. Um, including, um, you know, some magazine content from, from the February issue. And we have the Auto Finance Innovation Summit that is fast approaching. Yes, uh, very so fast. If, yeah, so if you haven't uh, registered for that, you should do so at autofinanceinnovation.com. And of course, uh, visit us at autofinancenews.net and our uh, Twitter and LinkedIn feeds. Uh, please uh, don't forget to join us next time for our um, episodes of uh, The Roadmap. It was great to have you. Uh, we'll see you again soon.